With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you for tuning in to hang out with me. I appreciate you guys, as always. You know that. Um, okay, we have a great show. James Roguski's here again. Um, as you all know, he's been on several times to talk about the World Health Organization. Oh, don't we just love them? Um, so uh, they've been dealing with the so-called pandemic treaty, which we all know is not really a pandemic treaty, and also the international health regulations, which what is what James has been focused on for several years. So we're going to get an update from him uh, on what is going on there and and what we need to be doing in order to push back against that stuff. Uh, but let's, I'm going to talk to you guys about a couple different things. So first of all, uh, Dave DeCamp has a great article. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's a great article because it's Dave DeCamp, but it's not great stuff. Um, so he has a, a good article, article out today at antiwar.com. The U.S. bombs Yemen for the ninth time, which if you remember, uh, we just had Kyle Anslone on the show last week and it was five times. Now we're up to nine. Uh, Houthis attack U.S. commercial ships. So I just want to give you an update on where we stand here. So it says U.S. Central Command said it launched more missile strikes against the Houthis in Yemen early Wednesday morning, marking the ninth time the U.S. bombed Yemen since January 12th. CENTCOM claimed the strikes targeted, quote, two Houthi anti-ship missiles that were aimed into the Southern Red Sea and were prepared to launch, end quote, and that U.S. forces, quote, identified the missiles in Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen and determined that they presented an imminent threat, end quote. They feared for their lives. Uh, they it's Very dangerous. Okay, so the new U.S. bombing campaign has done nothing to deter the Houthis and has only escalated the situation in the region. Later on Wednesday, the Houthis attacked, uh, launched an attack on an American-owned commercial vessel. CENTCOM said the Houthis, quote, fired three anti-ship ballistic missiles from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen toward the U.S. flagged-owned and operated container ship MV uh, Maersk, Detroit, uh, trans uh, transiting the Gulf of Aden, end quote. Um, the command said once missile uh, said one missile landed in the water and the other two were intercepted by a U.S. Navy warship. The Houthis began targeting American commercial shipping after President Biden started bombing the Yeme Yemeni group, which governs an area of Yemen where 70 to 80 percent of Yemenis live. The Houthis, officially known as Ansar Allah, have vowed not to back down and have repeatedly stated the only way they'll stop targeting Israeli-linked commercial vessels is if the Israeli slaughter in Gaza ends. President Biden has previously acknowledged the strikes against the Houthis were not working, but vowed they would continue anyway. Quote, are they stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? Yes. End quote. <laughs> what a leader. Uh, Biden said last week, referring to the missile strikes, uh, U.S. officials have said the Biden administration is planning for an open-ended war against the Houthis. The U.S.-backed Saudi-led war against the Houthis killed 377,000 people from 2015 to 2022. According to the U.N., more than half died due to starvation and disease caused by the brutal bombing campaign and blockade on Yemen. The new U.S. bombing campaign has already disrupted relief work in Yemen and could have grave implications for the country's aid-reliant population. So that's really the big piece here, because if you want to know why Yemen is uh, the only seemingly the only country courageous enough to actually do anything of substance for Gaza, it's what I just read there. Um, the, the, the U.S. The U.S. backed Saudi led war against the Houthis killed 377,000 people from 2015 to 2022. More than half died due to starvation and disease caused by the brutal bombing campaign and blockade on Yemen. That is exactly what Gaza is dealing with right now. So that is why they are um, 
so uh, fervent in their support of Gaza because they've lived this already. They understand uh, what Gaza is going through, and um, it's it, it, I it I am it's kind of hard for me because part of me wants to just cheer them on, and yeah, that's great. The other part of me knows that um, they're already in a pretty desperate situation. There has been at least some level of peace there in recent times, and so um, them poking at the bear almost certainly ends that and those people have already been through a lot so it's just a, it's a terrible situation all around but i also wanted to just um let you know that there was a press release today um uh from the icj and if you remember that's the court where south africa uh submitted a claim against israel um on committing a genocide uh they submitted a, 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 a i'm sorry published a press release today i won't read the whole thing i'll just give you the basic information here they say uh, th there's a tweet if you want to go check it out for yourself um and you can find the entire thing and they say press release press release the icj will deliver its order on the request for the in uh indict indictment of provisional measures i'm sorry indication of provisional measures submitted by south africa in the case of south africa versus israel this friday the 26th of January, 2024, at 1 p.m. at The Hague. Uh, you can watch live. They have a link there if you would like to watch that. Um, I don't know why they're waiting till Friday. I don't know how many uh, Palestinians are going to continue to die while they wait to make this announcement. Not that it would matter. Not that the announcement would stop the bombing. But there you have it. The, uh, the decision will be uh, read at The Hague on Friday, January 26th, this Friday at 1 p.m. I don't know if that's Eastern. I assume that that would be local time for them. So uh, I'll see if I can find out for sure. But I would presume that that would be local time, um, which I'm not sure where that's at. And uh, I know where it's at, but I'm, in terms of uh, time zones, time zones give me a major headache. I hate it. It's so confusing trying to book people and figure out where everybody's at. Oh, it's a nightmare. Um, so uh, just want to let you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have some news on that on Friday that we can discuss here on the show. So, um, okay, don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. Uh, there's a write-up for the guest of the day every day so, with links, by the way, so you can find, follow, and support their work as well. Um, and also, just so you know, uh, Indy goes back after every episode and includes a listen back link. Um, so if there's a previous episode and you want to go back and take a look at it, you can go to the Substack and then you can check out the guest and their work and all, all that good stuff. So uh, also shoot me an email, Misty Winston at TNTradio.live, guest idea, show idea, whatever, hit me up. I will try to get back to you. And hey, don't miss out on a thing. Be sure to do download the TNT Radio app. That's how I listen. Um, I listen a lot when I'm doing laundry or some other menial and very boring chore. Um, so I carry it around in my pocket and listen, listen while I'm doing that kind of stuff. So you can download the app either from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Uh, so you can easily listen live anytime, anywhere, available right now, right now to download for free. Uh, so you can keep up to speed right here on today's News Talk. The facts. No spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies. We need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. All right, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York. I'm sure you all know who Chucky the Shoom is. Uh, he is getting mercilessly roasted online over his, this is weird, his push for federal action over the popular tobacco-less nicotine pouch, Zin, 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 I'm not sure. Uh, so here at this story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. All right, so what, why? Why is he focused on this, Adam? It's the most dangerous problem facing America, Misty, <laughs> didn't you know? Is it um, worse clearly. than sunscreen, AOC and her it's sunscreen? It's so bad. It's I bad. Mean, it's worse. Is, okay. Oh, this it's is serious. Nasty. Okay. I mean, 
Obviously, fentanyl continues to ravage the nation, which is already <laughs> stricken by an opioid crisis. Americans everywhere are coping with an economy in shambles. Um, but New York's senior senator knows what the issue is, even despite the fact that the city he calls home is fraught with violent crime and overrun by illegal aliens. Crying Chuck Schumer knows what's the deal. Uh, yeah, it's Zinn, by the way. Uh, this is a nicotine pouch. And uh, according to Schumer, uh, as he thusly labeled it in a press release on Sunday, Zinn is a quote unquote quiet and dangerous alternative to vaping. And he claims that with the decline in smoking, tobacco companies are adapting by focusing on new products like oral nicotine. It sounds dirty, doesn't it? Uh, Zinn are actually small pouches of nicotine and you put it in your mouth. You place it between the lips and the gums. It's kind of like gum that you chew, except you don't chew it. Uh, two strengths of the product are available at three and six milligrams of nicotine, and they come in several flavors. But he, oh, by the way, this is on the heels of him doing something similar. He was just recently, uh, three months ago, he was attacking in uh, a series of energy drinks. But now, now we got to go after this. Um, he 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 delivered a um a uh, he he says he's this is a warning to parents about the tobacco free uh, nicotine product because quote these nicotine pouches seem to lock their sights on young kids teenagers and even lower <laughs> well younger than teenagers uh, and then they use social media to hook them end quote that's what uh, Chuck Schumer said. Uh, in calling on a review of the Swedish company's marketing practices and potential negative health impacts on their product, Schumer encouraged the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, and everybody's favorite, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, to heed his warning. Quote, it's dangerous and we need to stop it from being marketed to children. End quote. Well, backlash swiftly followed the senator's warning that, quote, kids know what Zinn is. Their parents don't. There are also Zinfluencers who have made nicotine pouches a part of their online personalities, end quote. That's what he said, uh, with one instance of his own words being used against him. Harkening back to threatening remarks the Democrat leader had made on the steps of the Supreme Court, State Freedom Caucus Network's Greg Price cautioned, quote, Mr. Schumer, this will be your one and only warning on behalf of all the fellas. Do not cross that Rubicon. You will have raped the whirlwind and you will pay the price. End quote. He was quoting something that Schumer said, but yeah, turned it against him. Uh, the energy drink that uh, Mr. Schumer had trouble with, by the way, was called Prime, P-R-I-M-E. Apparently, according to him, they were allegedly marketing caffeinated products to kids, as if he's never heard of soda. Uh <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, there's been quite a quite a number of funny, funny things going up. Uh, one I, I thought was great. Um, so people are making memes about this. Uh, one person by the name of Billy, he actually writes for Barstool uh, Sports, username Billy Hot Takes. <laughs> he, he put up a, like a Texas star uh, and then a, a Zen container and it says, come and take it. So, but yeah, he's, he's getting <laughs> mocked for pushing the nanny state too far by... Um, the problem, Misty, is that these things are supposed to be a safe alternative to smoking. Tons of users of this product swear by it. I have tons of in real life friends who have been able to quit smoking thanks to these Zen things. Uh, so uh, Chuck Schumer, you're you're way off the mark here. Um, and he's 
rightly getting roasted for it. Misty, what do you think about this one? Love to see it. I love any time Chuck, Chuck Chuck Schumer gets roasted. It makes me very happy. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, this is, it's absurd, right? Like this, the idea that he's focusing this much attention, like AOC with her stupid sunscreen, whatever that was, what are they thinking? Like, what could you possibly be thinking? Not that this type of a product doesn't need to be, uh, you know, obviously we need to check it, make sure it's safe. If it is being uh, targeted to kids, we need to, I mean, the, the, uh, sure, it, parents need to be at least aware of it. I had never heard of this until uh, you just brought it to me. But I think that the big thing with vaping taking off in popularity is that it looks cool, right? This, you don't even see it. It's just, as far as I'm getting from you and, and from these articles that you've sent to me, it's kind of like a, a, a cross between maybe dip and a lozenge that you like stick in between, like you would with dip in between your lip and your, uh, your gums. So it's not even like anybody would really see see you using it. So I don't think that the coolness factor is really there. Uh, but yeah, these kinds of products I think are um, uh, great as long as they're safe, uh, 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 relatively safe. I think that smoking, listen, I used to smoke way back in the day. Um, uh, this May, it will be 17 years since I quit. I used the patch to quit. Um, and uh, that helped me. It took me like, I don't know, six to eight times trying to quit to actually quit. Um, quitting smoking is awful. It is so hard. It is um, unbelievably uh, stressful and frustrating and almost painful at times. And uh, my irritation levels were off the charts. Like it's just so hard. And so anything, anything that makes that easier, I am in full favor of um, it, helping people to quit smoking. And the, the levels of smokers over the years have dropped significantly. I think as more information has come out about the dangers of smoking. And I think it's just really kind of, it's not cool anymore. Like to smell like an ashtray. I think most people are, uh, are pretty aware of, you know, it's just not, it's not that cool. Um, so I think that we're really starting to see a significant decrease in um, even kids smoking. And uh, in this one article that you sent me they make a great point it says divorce from smoke nicotine is a relatively benign stimulant with a similar risk profile to caffeine and i hadn't even really considered that this takes the smoke aspect out of it which is really the most mostly dangerous aspect of smoking or cigarettes or nicotine or any of that stuff so yeah i don't i don't know why he's focused on this does he have like some kind of financial stake in a competing product or something it's just absurd i don't know why uh and it seems like uh, it's all the rage night right now to have these weird like pet projects that make no sense and really no bearing on anything important. As you mentioned, there's a whole host of very serious issues happening right in Chuck Schumer state uh, that I think he should be paying more attention to than Zen. But, you know, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, people are rightfully uh, accusing him of pushing the nanny state. So that that's mm -hmm. fun to see that discussion because there might be some younger ears and eyes out there who aren't familiar with that concept and they need to wake up before the nanny state has them uh, living in a prison state. Um, but yeah, this is ridiculous. The big government has no right to tell you what to do with your with your life, period. You know what I mean? Yeah. That That's part of being an American uh, folks. Uh, so if you as a grown up want to use a safer alternative to smoking and you happen to like the flavor of cinnamon, uh, Chuck Schumer has no right to get big government involved to shut down uh, and take away that freedom from you because that's what it's really about. This isn't about safety or keeping it out of the hands of kids. It's just to piss people off. That's the only purpose that Chuck Schumer serves when he does these things. It's a political tool. It's very useful to both sides. He comes out and says stupid things and the other side goes, look at how stupid this guy is. And we talk about it. And that's mm -hmm. politics, you know? Yeah.
That's a great point. It's a distraction. I mean, it really is. I think a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, almost scripted. It's like I say, like it's a soap opera, but with psychopaths. That's what our politics are. Um, it's like watching a soap opera where everybody's playing a role uh, and it all the storylines are ridiculous and everybody knows it's ridiculous, but we can't help but like watch and then chat about it uh, around the water cooler the next day. And yeah, he's just such a such a turd that anytime Chuck Schumer is getting roasted online, I'm here for it. I love it. It makes me happy. Um, uh, anytime any politician gets roasted online, I'm pretty much here for it. I mean, there's a couple that I uh, don't really like, but I like more than others. But most of them, I'm fine. If you like, let's roast all of them. I'm I'm OK with that. We should have like a. A daily, we should just like pick a name out of a hat every day and go to town. That would be good fun for me. Um, okay, Adam, thanks for bringing us a story. We will talk to you again tomorrow. As always, hang tight. We're going to be back right here on today's News Talk. Now, as we move into an election year in US politics at a time when the Western Empire is under attack from within, as if an orchestrated decline is the plan. Whilst at the same time, the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order. Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behaviour and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the truth shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course. And then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like Know your warning signs so you can act early Make your environment safe by removing harmful items Activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts Reminders of things that make you feel strong Some of these steps might be tough to fill out and that's okay It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. All right. We are here joined by our guest, James Roguski. James is, as I said at the top of the show, in my opinion, he's really kind of the guy uh, when it comes to keeping up with the COVID narratives and especially when it pertains to uh, the World Health Organization, the WHO um, and the shenanigans that surround that and them. Uh, In particular, he's been focused recently on the the so-called pandemic treaty, which we know is not really that, um, but also the international health uh, regulations. um, And uh, he's been on several times to keep us updated on what's going on. I know there's been several things uh, taking place recently. So we're going to get an update on all of that stuff and also focus on some things we can actually do to push back against this kind of stuff. So uh, James, thanks for coming back to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Um, You know, this is a busy week because the executive Mm -hmm. board of the WHO is meeting all week and they're um, planning or plotting, you know, what they're going to be doing in May. So there are dozens of documents, all kinds of different decisions being made. And, um, you know, everybody gets distracted 
by what happened last week with the WEF. And, you know, they have a lot of excitement because people say crazy things. But um, (laughs) the meat, you know, the meat of what's going on is is happening, you know, at the WHO this week. Um, So I've been, you know, trying to get people uh, up to speed on what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, so what what exactly just tell people um, briefly what exactly these meetings are, what they're talking about, what this whole thing is about. And there's actually a, a, a deadline right on the 27th, I think it is. The, the deadline is the 27th. That is, while the time frames overlap, in, in reality, that is a separate thing. I'll, I'll talk about that first. Okay. Uh, they've been negotiating in secret for well over a year, proposed amendments to the international health regulations. That's different than what you mentioned earlier, what most people call the treaty, two totally separate things. And In Article 55 of the International Health Regulations, it says very clearly, and believe me, they know the rule because they talked about this back on October 2nd. The rule is very straightforward. Any nation can submit proposed amendments to the International Health Regulations, but they're obligated under Article 55 to present it four months in advance of the May Assembly. And so the May assembly begins on May 27th. So four months in advance of that is January 27th. But back in October, they told us that they were not going to meet that deadline. And then they proceeded, and I'm going to use this word because I have proof, they conspired and they are conspiring to violate that rule. It's all on video. They spent an hour talking about how they feel that rule doesn't apply to them. They've set up meetings for February and April to continue those negotiations along past the deadline when they were obligated to submit whatever package of amendments they wanna have considered in May. Now, there's an example, very real life example of why that is supposed to happen. I got involved in this back in 2022 when the Biden administration, to their credit, they submitted amendments on January 18th of 2022 within that four month period of time and, and so those amendments were known to the member nations and they kicked them to the curb before they ever even got to the meeting um, in 2022. It was very clear that far too many nations wanted nothing to do with those amendments. They were never even considered. The whole point of it is there's masses and masses of you know paperwork that they're gonna be considering in May and all of the delegates should have that four months to consider all of these you know, various details. And so they had a briefing on Monday where the two co-chair people of each of the two separate tracks that are being negotiated, four people in total, presented information. But, you know, they really didn't talk about any of the details because they're having a grand old difficult time reaching agreement. They spent a good portion of the time talking about how they're worried about all of the misinformation that's, you know, being (laughs) spread. Um, Now, I've come to understand that missing information is what I've been pointing out. And it's information that they don't want you to pay attention to, even even though it's in their own documents. But they refer to that as misinformation information because Mm. it you know it makes people aware of what is really going on and so that deadline is really all about the international health regulations and proposing new amendments 
it just happens to coincide that that deadline of Saturday the 27th is also the last day of the meeting of the executive board. Now, the executive board is 34 nations out of the 194. So it's a smaller group. It rotates every couple of years. The United States happens to have a position on that executive board as part of the 34. But I feel personally that there is an enormous problem with the representatives that have been sent. In the agreement, or I should say the um, joint resolution back in 1948, when we were first you know, entered into the WHO, it says very clearly that any representative of the United States to the executive board has to, number one, be a doctor, has to have gone through an FBI investigation for loyalty, and has to be confirmed by the Senate. Well, the Biden administration back in 2022 submitted or um, put into nomination our current Surgeon General, uh, Vivek Murthy, and the Senate never confirmed him. Biden resubmitted Vivek Murthy back on January 8th, and as far as I know, Senate never confirmed him. So the people who are representing us there, in my opinion, are doing so illegitimately. And yeah. you know, you or I have as much authority to speak for the United States as the people who are speaking for the United States do there. And I, you know, is anybody in the Senate going to do their job? I wonder. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. And I think that that's. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here because uh, I haven't. Uh, to be fair, I haven't. I, I, I it, there's so much going on, James, and it's so I think it's really difficult for people to uh, uh, know where to best lay their focus or to even pay attention to everything that's happening. And that's it's, so you being able to I had no idea that we had no representation, no approved representation uh, uh, for this uh, position, as you just said, um, and the Senate not taking action on this. I think that that's not I mean, it's not uncommon. We see that take place all the time. But I think it's interesting that now we're in this uh, we're supposed to be represented in this major meeting where um, a lot of really serious decisions are being made and a lot of serious conversations are being had that are going to impact the people of this country in very significant ways moving forward. And we don't even have an approved representative who uh, is there to, to, to be our our eyes and ears. Not that he would be, uh, but I just think that that's uh, pretty par for the course. But listen, we got to take a quick break. We're going to get some headlines. Hang tight. We're going to be back with more details on this right after this on TNT. TNT Radio News. Big news. TNT, this is James O'Neill. On January 22nd, the United States, alongside international allies, executed several military operations targeting Iran-backed Houthi forces in Yemen. A report from a collective of insolvency specialists disclosed on Monday that the number of UK businesses facing imminent bankruptcy surged dramatically by over a quarter towards the end of the previous year. On Tuesday night, following former President Donald Trump's successive wins in the first two nominating states, President Joe Biden effectively initiated the general election campaign. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here, James Zagoski, and we're talking about the uh, the meeting that's taking place right now, um, uh, the executive board meeting, the WHO's executive board meeting that's taking place uh, all this week. It is ongoing right now currently. I think the last day is Saturday, um, which also happens to coincide with a uh, uh, a deadline that they have to reach. We will see if they actually 
hold to that. As James <laughs> said, they know the rules. Uh, I think that they just they don't like following their own rules. So I think they're trying to figure out a way how they can skirt around that. So, um, uh, yeah, as you just mentioned, we don't have representation. Uh, the Biden appointed or I guess nominated uh, guy, the current Surgeon General, has not been um, uh, approved by the Senate. So you, you said, do you think that the Senate is going to actually do their job? I say probably not. But certainly uh, people should be calling their senators and, and requesting action on this. Yes. Absolutely. That's certainly something people can do. Now, there's many, many, many things going on at this meeting. Um, really, not much is going to be decided other than to decide what they're going to have the full assembly handle in May. So there are a lot of important issues going on here. Probably not, you know, the, the one of the most important from the WHO's perspective is what they call their 14th general program of work. It's a 46-page document that'll put you right out to sleep until you realize, you know, I, what I what I call it is begging for billions, because yeah. the WHO is planning to spend about five and a half million dollars for fundraising events in the last quarter of 2024 to wine and dine heads of state and foundation, you know, uh, board members and so forth to try to raise the $7 billion that they need for their four-year plan. You know how the Soviet Russia used to do a five-year plan and Chinese Communist Party has a 10-year plan? Well, the WHO has a four-year plan for 2025, 26, 27, and 28, and they've determined that they need $7 billion because about 84% of their budget in 2022 came from donations. Mm -hmm. So they get maybe 16% back in 2022 from dues or assessed payments that the nations put forth. But all the extra money comes from donations. So they're basically begging for billions. And so they've laid out this general program of work, which essentially it's a, it's a marketing perspective to their donors. And they're saying, well, you know, what is it you want us to do? Here's what we're planning on doing for you. They want investment. You know, this is how mm -hmm. they term it. Um, invest in what we're doing. And what people, you know, need to realize is that money goes around in a circle. You know, someone's going to get the contract for the money that's donated to do what the donors want the WHO to do. It doesn't necessarily align with what you or I or any, you know, normal exactly. human. Can we just pause would, for a second and explain? I just want to explain to people what you mean. So every, um, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but every uh, state that is a member of the WHO has to pay dues or fees or whatever to be a member of the World Health Organization. And then what you're talking about is a lot of states will then make an additional donation, which gives them more clout, which gives them more influence over what the World Health Organization is doing. Is that correct? That's where they're getting those exactly. the so-called do donations from? Okay. And by state, we're talking countries. Nations, okay, So yes. United, yeah. United yeah. States... Um, as a whole, uh, was required to pay, because we have a large economy, it's all based on the size of the economy, uh, approximately a couple of hundred million dollars, but we donated an extra three quarters of a billion, almost, you know, did about 25% of the WHO's budget. And, and so what we're dealing with here is that the vast majority of money that the WHO spends has strings attached to it because it comes as the form of donations. And they're essentially dealing with what they call a replenishment mechanism, 
because they need to get new donations. You know, it's not like they have the ability to collect taxes. They just get nations to collect taxes and hand over that money to them. And most of it goes out into contracts for corporations to do whatever it is they're doing. But 30% of that money, $1.1 billion in 2022, out of, I mean, think about this. Their whole budget is $3.8 billion in 2022 is what they spent. $1.1 billion or 30% of that went for salaries. They had 8,851 people earn an average of $120,000, and they spent less than half that amount on actual medical products. Wow. And so most of it goes out to contractors. A lot of it pays the bureaucrats. And what they're doing with these negotiations, at, at least with the treaty, is they want to set up a whole new bureaucracy called the Conference of the Parties. And they want 30 billion dollars to go towards pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Think about that, $30 billion going towards pandemic prevention, and they only spend $3.8 billion on health, but you know, 37% of that goes to contractors, 30% goes to their uh, salaries. Where is anything going to actually help people improve their health? It's right. way, way, way down on the list. You know, we're talking heart disease and cancer and diabetes and, you know, leukemia and in, in many nations, malaria and tuberculosis. That's all getting pushed to the side because if you can convince people to be very afraid of pathogens with pandemic potential and convince governments to spend trillions of dollars handed over to the pharmaceutical companies, that's a much more profitable you know, business program than anything you could do to actually deal with the real life problems that people have with their health. So all of these things that, you know, really are the major killers, the heart disease, strokes, cancer, so forth. Um, it, it's, you know, way, way, way down the list of priorities for them, because quite frankly, it's not as profitable for their donors. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, I mean, you just said that this really is kind of a, um, it's like a capitalist, uh, hyper-capitalist. It's like, a, it's a scheme. It's like a Ponzi scheme almost. They're, uh, they they call themselves this very uh, uh, fancy sounding title, the World Health Organization. And they've got their, uh, you know, their fancy, you know, um, letterheads and all of that stuff. And everybody takes them seriously and feels as if they're a legit organization and people listen to what they have to say. Um, and with the uh, pandemic stuff, they or the so-called pandemic stuff, uh, they were able to fear monger. And I think that that was really, um, I think when, once they saw the potential in that, now we have Whatever, whatever they're calling it, virus X or whatever they're calling it. I don't even know. Um, but And you and I have talked about that. We know that uh, COVID was not their, uh, the only time that they're going to attempt something like that. Obviously, they're going to come back around with uh, you know other viruses and other fear-mongering tactics. But that's what's so frustrating about this, though, is that the World Health Organization is not really focused on health, James, at all. Not at all. And in fact, even with their whole pandemic preparedness, blah, 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 um, it, none of that, at least not that I have seen, none of that includes um, uh, any kind of conversation or advice or anything about eating healthy, getting enough sunlight, getting enough fresh hair, um, exercising, any of that. It is all um, about vaccines. It's all about fear. It's all about all of those things that they pushed at us during COVID. I mean, during COVID, there was no conversation about, hey, make sure you're taking care of yourself. That's just a good 
um, you know, kind of uh, 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 prophylactic against any illness, including COVID. Um, and so, yeah, it's just the idea that they have been able to run this scheme on people for so long uh, and that now, uh, you know, it, they're not, they don't even hide it. I want to talk to you about this. I was looking at the, uh, we have to take another quick break, but I was looking at their website and they actually have like a sales pitch where they talk about a return on investment um, for, uh, uh, for countries who want to donate more to them, which I think is just, I think that really says it all. But we do have to take another quick break. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk. see it coming. It's pre-diabetes, and it captures one in three adults. You may not even know you have it, but you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand. With early diagnosis, you can change the outcome and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. Meet Norm. He lives with anxiety. But with the help of this latest innovation from Be Normal, he can be normal. Just like everyone else. With the swipe of a finger, you can project happiness, confidence, machismo. Why settle for being real when you can be normal? The Normal Maker. New from Be Normal. This item doesn't really work because there's no such thing as normal. We're all different. What we like, how our brains work. In fact, one in five of us live with mental illness. Don't filter who you are. Start by talking to someone you trust. And remember, there is no normal. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're here with James Rogowski. We're talking about the World Health Organization, which, as we just discussed, doesn't really focus much on health necessarily. Um, they do spend an awful lot on overhead costs, which I think is super interesting. And if you, not all that surprising though, if you go to their website, holy cow, the whole thing is essentially a sales pitch, especially if you click on, um, they have a little tab uh, right when you get to the uh, the main page, it's the the Who's Health Emergency Appeal 2024. And if you um, go, you just click on that, you don't have to download it or anything. I just clicked on it. Um, and they, it's, it's a sales pitch. It is, hey, donate to us. Here's what we need. Here's what your support enables, all of that good stuff. Um, and it's basically them just trying to encourage uh, countries to donate even more so that they can, um, I guess, pay more executives and people like that. I don't know. They give a little breakdown at the bottom of where they say some of the money is going. I notice they don't include any of those costs that you just talked about um, where they're paying salaries. They only included, uh, uh, you know, stuff where they're talking about um, cholera and the Haiti humanitarian crisis and the Ukraine war is included in here. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's super interesting the way they break down their funding. But yeah, this is this is really it's a business. It has nothing to do really with health, right? Well, if you read the international health regulations and you just go through the um, the titles of, of the various articles, you, you'd realize it's really not about health at all. It should be the international surveillance, monitoring, reporting, emergency declaring, fear-mongering regulations, because that's <laughs> what those things are all about. And so in, in the little bit of time that we have, to summarize it for people, there's nothing going on here that isn't being done secretly, okay? Mm -hmm. They 
have been negotiating amendments to the International Health Regulations, which is an existing document, for well over a year. They have not put forth a, a new version, a new draft. I actually just got a text message from someone in Japan. Their congressperson was talking to their health minister, and they wanted, they wanted access to the originally proposed amendments all the way from September of 2022. And they wouldn't give it to them. It's like, well, the people are not allowed to even know what was originally proposed. And so there's hundreds of different amendments, 197 pages, but that's all been negotiated for well over a year. And the deadline is supposed to be Saturday the 27th, four months in advance of the meeting, so that everyone can see what is being considered over the next four months, we should be having a discussion, a debate, you know, public comments and all that sort of thing. But that's likely to not happen because they are conspiring and they've already scheduled meetings for February and April. And if you recall Nancy Pelosi from Obamacare, um, you know, they wheel in a thousand page piece of legislation. Yes. And she very famously said something to the effect of, well, just vote for it. You can read it after we pass it. <laughs> yes. Well, that's that's just not acceptable. Now, I don't know if you're aware from almost a decade ago, but the Trans-Pacific Partnership was mm. a trade deal that was done very similarly, very much in secret. But we, the people, got wind of what it was that they were trying to push through, essentially taking a lot of our um, you know, judicial system and handing it over to corporations in, in regards to trade and products and things like that. Thanks and to WikiLeaks, not, by the way. Can I just say that? Thank you, WikiLeaks, exactly, for exposing exactly. that information. Yes. And so Congress people were not even permitted to photograph or even take notes. They were forced to go into uh, you know, a secure facility. They could read it, but they had to remember what they read. They couldn't even take notes. And you know, somehow people power got together and said no. And it got kicked to the curb and elections happened. And when Trump came in office, he, you know, put the, the wooden stake through the heart of it. But it was really, you know, massive public uproar about, you know, what do you think you're doing? You are not going to get away with doing that in secret. That appears to be what they're trying to do because they're just skipping this deadline because they think they're going to get away with it. Now, the other document, the thing that everyone calls the pandemic treaty, it's had many, many names, many, many versions. That is on a different time frame. It's a different document, different negotiating path. That they've always had every intention of negotiating right up to the last minute in May. And currently, many of the nations are very unhappy about the way the negotiations are going. I actually just got my grubby little hands on a document from April. It's the 208-page compilation text, which is what all of the nations submitted, but the bureaucracy won't let those submissions get into the negotiations. So there's a block of 72 nations who know what they want, but they're not getting it. Now, the numbers matter because there's 194 member nations, and in order for the treaty to be adopted, it needs two-thirds. Well, that block of 72 is enough to make it so that unless they get what they want, they're not going to be able to get the two-thirds. 
the amendments are where they want most everything to be because it only needs a simple majority. And if the amendments are adopted, it would apply to every nation because it's a pre-existing um, document. So they're having trouble. And in the briefing that they had on Monday, they spent a lot of time talking about misinformation. They didn't spend any time talking about health, but they were pretty down in the mouth, you know, depressed about how, you know, things are not going all that well. So as far as I'm concerned, now is the time to be even more active and push yeah. even harder. Um, they're having difficulties. And these are agreements that we're not allowed to see. And, and so just on, you know, the bare face of that, that is unacceptable. And, and, and so the treaty is even worse than that because it's very analogous to the framework convention for climate change that we've been in since 1992, where they meet every year, a bunch of unelected bureaucrats, part of the conference of the parties. I believe there were over 80,000 people attended COP28 um, in, in the United Arab Emirates um, in December. All these unelected people make decisions and because our Senate adopted the framework convention for climate change back in 92, those things just get passed right into law and we're dealing with the insanity of decisions being made by unelected people year after year after year after year. It, it almost really doesn't matter what's in the proposed treaty. Um, allowing changes to be made to essentially an empty framework just needs to be seen as completely and totally unacceptable. Yeah. Yes. And the idea that these uh, decisions are being made by uh, people that most of us have never heard of, we couldn't point them out in a crowd, We've, nobody knows their names, uh, and they are very clearly not working with the people of this country or any country's best interests at heart. I mean, it's that's become so unbelievably apparent and obvious that it's uh it's almost comical at this point and so and again again the idea that this is about health in any way shape form or fashion and you mentioned uh the T uh, tpp it's more like a trade deal like all this stuff it feels like it's more of a trade deal i mean when, when you were here last time we were talking about how um some of the uh, more impoverished nations were complaining because they didn't get enough of the injections i won't call them vaccines the injections and um that it was re in it all of that i think when we talked i don't know if we talked about how how um similar that feels it feels like a trade deal it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with health it feels like um this kind of hap uh, hyper capitalist product pushing um you know uh, uh it, it just it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with health and i realize that like um as you said things like cancer and heart disease it, that's probably not as profitable and it's probably not as um you know easy uh to make money off of or as sexy i know you know the pandemic like that's you know very like oh it's a little scary and crazy um but that's the stuff that we need to be focused on and it's uh it's very frustrating to me again that this and you're like one of very few people that i know who's really talking about it on a regular basis and i realize y'all there's a lot going on in the world it's insane how bombarded we are with uh various 
not just like little issues. We're getting pummeled with very serious situations on a daily basis, usually more than one uh, every day. And so I get it. It is, as I mentioned earlier, I'm guilty of it. I haven't been paying as close attention to this particular issue as I would like to. Um, you know, there's the Assange thing that's coming up in February. There's a, a genocide taking place in uh, Palestine. There's a whole lot. I mean, we're bombing the Houthis. We're, you know, very close to a regional war in the Middle East and potentially a world war. Um, so I get it. There's a lot going on, but this is insanity. And I, it's it's difficult for me to think that they're not taking advantage of the fact that everybody um, is very, um, uh, uh, it's difficult to focus on any one issue. And they're, they're going to try to push this stuff through because they know they can do it quietly. Um, and I know you just started this, um, this new campaign that you're doing, um, uh, the I Demand Transparency, where you have made a video. Would you, uh, is it, you want people to make videos and um, post them on YouTube, send them to you? What can people do with these? Because all you have to do is, this is a very easy way to just at least let your voice be heard, get on a, a camera, your phone, whatever, make a video where you are demanding transparency about these proceedings, because you, we have a right to know what, what is going into these, the amendments, the treaties, all of that stuff. We have a right to know. And they're as James said, no, nobody's uh, privy to that information. Even the Japanese officials who requested <laughs> it, who are responsible for representing their people, they can't even get the information. That's absurd on every level. So what is this um, I demand transparency action that you've just started? Um, back in September of 2022, um, the WHO opened up the floodgates, quite frankly, they set up a very strange um, situation where they had claimed they were going to have a public comment period at the end of September that year. But with just a couple of days notice, they changed the dates. And at the second week of September, they had everyone hold up their um, passport or ID. And then you could leave a 90 second video saying whatever it is you wanted to say. So we got several hundred people to do that and submit their videos. You can see all of those on screwthewho.com. That kind of gives you an idea of you know what most people's opinions were. <laughs> Hundreds of people, in addition to, we got 33,884 written public comments. 99.9% .9 of them was, we don't want no stinking treaty. And, and so they operate on a very fundamental premise that they put in all of their documents, what their intentions are, what they plan to do. They try to keep it as secret as possible, but ultimately they will put it out there. And they just believe that if you are silent about it, if you do not raise your voice in opposition to it, then your silence is viewed as consent. So it's quite easy to just get out your camera, your phone, you know, your laptop, whatever it might be, People do TikTok videos all the time. They do selfie videos all the time, Instagram and so forth. Speak up. Take yes. the time. Take the time to get informed. I put myself out there. My phone number is readily available. 310-619-3055. I think I've done well over 200 articles about all of this. Get informed so you can speak clearly and you know factually about what it is your feelings about this are, but understand that if you are silent, then you're just giving them an open field to do whatever it is they want to do. Now, they are having trouble because this is a trade deal. It started back in December of 2021 when the relatively poor nations said that they wanted the WHO 
to conduct negotiations to guarantee equitable access to pandemic-related products. They want to be able to make their own drugs, make their own jabs in their own country, but they're demanding intellectual property and manufacturing know-how and investment capital. You know, I don't like to say from your tax dollars because that's not how it works anymore. Right. It's from your grandkids' debt that they're going to have to deal with with these trillions of dollars that are just being manufactured out of thin air. And they want that handed over to build out the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex all around the world because there's a lot of people who they didn't get the first time around. And the nations that are negotiating for a piece of the pie, they're not happy that when they isolated, say, the Omicron variant, like South Africa and Botswana, and handed over that genetic information, they're not happy that um, Pfizer and Moderna turned that into the boosters and made billions of dollars. So they want to have what they call a pathogen access. If they find a pathogen and give access to these companies, it's a pathogen access benefit sharing system. They want some of the profits to come back as well. It's got nothing to do with whether or not those are biological weapons that harm people. They want to be able to profit from it because they missed out on that profit the first time around. Yeah. Which seems crazy to me that people are going to be out there like hunting down pathogens so that they can get and make profit off of the potential uh, immunization that would maybe be uh, uh, produced from that. And uh, and I think I uh, I was watching some interviews that you did recently and you even brought that up like these. I think that these countries where um, there are already struggling, obviously, with various different things, including feeding people, clean drinking water, you know, uh, malaria, uh, stuff like that. Um, the idea that they would want to be focused on this uh, going around and you know, like hunting down caves for bats and things like that to find <laughs> pathogens is just absurd. So, yeah, I think that it is. Um, uh, this is a great I think this I'm going to make my own video um, and y'all post it on TikTok. James just said people TikTok's a great and I know TikTok gets a lot of crap because of China and all that stuff. Does it matter? There are a ton of young people and young people are. Um, uh, I would say the easiest demographic to motivate uh, to motivate on issues like this, especially because they haven't been around long enough to be super cynical. Um, so, uh, and they're very active on social media, and that's where information gets spread. So, if you can get a TikTok video made um, that catches some attention and maybe goes viral in the right places, we can make a ton of noise about this. That's really all we need is just one like super viral video uh, to really um, you know get people uh, active on this issue, and we need to be. Um, I know. I said that I haven't been paying as much attention as I would like to. I'm going to uh, do my best to uh, work on that, but I'm also going to do my best to, as we said earlier, call my senator. I'm going to make a video, call House members, call everybody, call Joe Biden, call the who, call everybody, leave emails, leave messages. I do that stuff for Assange all the time. Uh, adding an additional phone call to my list of uh, phone calls to make is not a big deal for me. So uh, phone calls don't take very long, but I know, James, you talk about this all the time. That is the biggest thing. First, educate yourself and then talk about it a lot. Get out there, uh, talk about it with your friends and family, explain what's going on to people. Because uh, a lot of people are just completely clueless. They're doing most of this very much behind closed doors. They're doing. They're trying to do as much of it as they can in secrecy because they don't want you to know. Because as James just said, uh, if you don't say anything 
anything. If you're silent, then they just uh, take that as permission. Um, and we can't give them permission for stuff like this. We need to be as loud as possible and push back on that. So, okay, James already gave you his um, phone number, which I still can't believe that you do that. You have so much courage. I would never. Um, but also you can go to his Substack, jamesreguski.substack.com. Um, as he said, he's written over 200 articles. They're all incredibly informative. Tons of links and other information that you can find from all of that stuff. Um, so go check those out. Share them with your friends. Get the word out as much as you uh, as humanly possible so that we can push back against this thing. Uh, James, thanks so much for coming on the show. As always, you are welcome back anytime. If you have something that you need, uh, some information you need to get out there, just get a hold of me. You are always welcome here. Um, and I'll be back tomorrow with another show for you. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now. And uh, don't go anywhere. Timothy Shea's right after this here on today's News Talk.